Good morning, and welcome in to the Blitz live on Fan Run Radio, live in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It's Friday. It's February twenty fourth. February is coming and hurrying on out of here. Irrelevant month, anyway. It's a good month. It's a good month. It was a quick month. That's all I. That's all I ever ask in February. It's just yeah, just do your thing and get get me to get March. Get on out of here. Get me to March. Yeah, that's fair. I always was scared of March as a child. Why is that? <laughs> you know the old uh, the old adage: March comes in like a lion, goes out like a lamb. I've never heard that like in my life. Actually, no, no. I remember in elementary school, we like March started and we had to make this art project even that was like half lion, half lamb to signify that March came in like a lion and out like a lamb. Huh. No, Has I've anyone else heard that? Never heard of that. Like, surely this isn't just some weird, like niche made up expression. It, I think. Hopefully I'm wrong. I typed in March comes. Okay. And the the first search is comes in like a lion. Okay. The out like a lamb part is not included in the initial Google search, so we'll see. March comes in like a lion is actually just the name of a Japanese anime, I think, so not even related to the expression. You sure you just weren't watching that in middle school? Maybe that's why you were scared? No, this was like elementary school. Elementary school. Maybe your teachers threw that on and you were just were terrified the of, case. of But I was, because we, we documented yesterday that uh, I was terrified of things that flew and, and stung. Yeah. I really had three major irrational fears that kind of shaped my elementary school days. And they were all, when I say irrational, entirely irrational. Like the month of March, things that fly, and what's the no. third? Tornadoes. Okay. I mean, that's not totally irrational. So scared. Like, to the point where if there was a tornado warning, I would have a meltdown to the point where, like, they would have to take me out of the general population of the elementary school. They would have to, like, take me off. Tornadoes are scary as a kid. Show me the weather radars and stuff. I would freak out. I did not handle tornadoes well. Um, Things would fly and sting and other people throwing up. Okay. But I don't. Yeah, people throwing up is just nasty to me. I, don't know I was so like. scared of other people throwing up to the point where I like didn't want to fly on an airplane because I was scared that I would get stuck next to someone that would throw up. Yeah. What if it was you that threw up? Don't care. Not don't care. worried about my own throw up. I'm fine with throwing up. That's selfish. Maybe. <laughs> uh, like during flu season, I would get so scared to go to school that I would get like so worried that I would just make myself sick. What's like, that called? A, uh, I don't know. Can't be good. When you're self-diagnosing yourself, I can't. Why am I? No, I don't think that's the same thing. I, I would just, I would just get so nervous. But March comes in like a lion, out like a lamb. In Middle Tennessee, I feel like that's that would be tornado season. Was always like, right now, and felt like we would always just get in that first last week of February, maybe like first two three weeks of March. It felt like there were always two to three 
major tornadic instances? It's definitely the time of year, actually, when it starts. I mean, Middle Tennessee got included in Tornado Alley. Like, they updated it. No, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they updated it. I mean, when did that get updated? Like, eight years ago, ten years ago. and they They brought in the the far eastern edge now is is stops at, like, Middle Tennessee. Okay. No, I do remember that in middle school. I remember being pretty scared of tornadoes. I would, would, yeah, I would cry. The drills are just kind of... They're just kind of like, yeah, you're kind of screwed if we got a tornado coming through here. I guess just cover your head. Weirdly enough, I was in high school, and... There was a a, a threat of tornado tor- tornadoes like right around when school was supposed to start. Never a good good no. time to have a tornado. Uh, but my mom, she's also a worrier. She was like, "Hey, you need to get to school early." So I got to school like forty five fifty minutes early, so I wouldn't be driving in when the tornado came. There was one other guy on the football team that also had a worry mom that also made him get there early. So me and him just kind of sat there and just like waited. But we were sitting out on the benches, like, outside of the football locker room, like, watching the storm slowly roll in. Sitting outside. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't to us yet, but, like, you could just see the wall coming. Mm-hmm. And then out in front of the storm, like, almost in the clouds moving, like, probably less than a mile away, there was just a funnel down to the ground. And we just saw it kind of move. We were just like, is that? Is that a tornado? He's like, dude, yeah. I think that is a tornado. And I was like, yeah, that is that what a tornado is like supposed to look like? And it was the weakest possible tornado, like the the lowest mm-hmm. category. But it did just that morning, like move a mile from our school, like where we just saw it just touch down for a very short amount of time and did very minor damage. But ever since then, I'm not as scared of tornadoes. You got one out of the way. Yeah. You just had to see one happen, really, I think is what is really what it all came down right, to. I think when Maybe I was little, one I don't person. know. I mean, when you're little, everything is dramatized within your own head. Dramatized, dramatized, I don't know, whatever. Made more dramatic within your own head. There was one when I was like a, a child, I feel like, that really freaked me out that like came into or near our neighborhood. Maybe that's what really got me going in the first place. But anyway, March is coming around the corner. Watch out for those tornadoes. Not here in Knoxville, though. I feel like, well, I'll knock on wood, but it's hard to get here. I feel like I've been here. I've Got a lot of in, a lot of mountains to get knocked off in between, you know. I've lived in Knoxville since August 2017. So, yeah, 2021, 20, five and a half years. Mm-hmm. Don't think there's been a tornado warning. Now that you're saying it, I don't. I don't think I've noticed one either. Like I'm racking my brain. I don't think there's been a single instance where there was a tornado warning. Maybe watch like once. I don't even know about a watch. I don't even know about a watch either. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's our terrain up here. I yeah. think we're in a good. Good. I feel area. like every time the storms hit Middle Tennessee, they just kind of break up and turn into rain by the time it gets here. Like every once in a while, we get some cool lightning storms. But I feel like even in Middle Tennessee, there were five times the amount of thunderstorms that there are here. Yeah. I I think it rains a decent bit here. I'm talking about, like, lightning and thunderstorms. Like, electric activity. I guess not. 
I've always I've always thought that. I don't know. In Middle Tennessee, dude, it felt like it, it, it there was a pop-up thunderstorm like four times a week between mid-April and and thunderstorms. I'm going to I'm going to look this up. Do you think there's a database that that compares the two? I'm sure. All right. You don't think so? I don't know. I mean, I might be Tennessee climatology. You do you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Maui Ahuna's dad just tweeted last night, we find out tomorrow. Yeah, did see that. So hopefully that means we find something out today. I'm tired of waiting. I hate waiting. Yeah, I, me too. I hate having to sit there and, and, and just be like, well, I don't know. Are we going to yeah, just sh- have Maui Ahuna or are we not exactly. going to have Maui Ahuna? Just tell me. And how long is it going to be if we don't have them? Is it like whole season type thing? I mean, I feel like that's how eligibility typically goes, right? It's either, okay, yeah, you're good now or you're never good. Like one of the two. Yeah. Be a pretty massive blow. That would be massive. Yeah, that would be very massive. <laughs> would be pretty brutal, actually. <laughs> would be really bad. I don't know why I laugh. Maybe it's just a, a coping mechanism thinking about Yeah, no, it's idea. like a please don't actually have that happen laugh. I'm I'm a little bit terrified mm-hmm. laugh mm-hmm. that it that surely surely it won't. No, surely, right? Surely. Surely. Surely it won't. Surely. No way. <laughs> uh how are you though this Friday morning? I'm doing I'm doing well. Um enjoyed these last couple good days of good weather. Another pretty solid day today. I mean, it's no 80 degrees in, in February day, but it's like 60 today. Right? Yeah, I, I saw some people complaining that it was cold out, so I got ready to grab a hoodie and whatever else. It's not cold. No, it was just like 57. Yeah, no, it's not cold. Just it's like just 57. Gonna, I mean, we're about to sure, get rain it's not this the 70s we got the last couple of days. but Yeah, you can't be acting like it's May or June in the middle of February. The coldest say. it's going to get is in the next, like, eight days – is is just 41 degrees and on that day it's going to be 41 it's still also going to touch 72 okay i like that uh let me read you the highs for the next for the next week 68 today 55 tomorrow 61 sunday 71 monday 66 tuesday 72 wednesday 66 thursday 58 friday it feels like we're in spring. That's that's the that's the spring of deception, though. I feel like it's been going on too long for spring of deception. Ah, they're deceiving us. What if this is just Staten Island Chuck, the groundhog? Nah. His nah. predictions are true eighty nope. percent of the time. He nope, predicted nope. the he he said spring's coming. He hits at an eighty percent clip. He said spring's coming, and you're it's unseasonable. How many years warm. does he? What's his record? It's a good one. It's lengthy. How lengthy? I don't know. Puxitani Phil's. Puxitani Phil is a fraud and a joke of a of a. Of a he's a vermin. He's just he's got no so many good. years under his belt. You know, I don't know if I can, if I can trust. You know this this new kid on the block. I, he's not a new kid on the block. I, I hadn't heard of him up until this year, so I feel like that's your own fault. I'm Staten Island Chuck commands respect. 
I mean, I'm all in for for earlier spring, but I don't think we're getting spring in February. You know, well, it's almost March. February. It comes in like a lion, leaves like a lamb. Oh, he's been doing this for 38 years, and he hits that. All right, that's a pretty good track yeah. record. Yeah, shut your mouth back there. That's Mr. a pretty Beard. good track record. Don't ever, ever doubt Staten Island Chuck again. Us Chuck brethren, we got to stick together. More and more people have been calling me Chuck lately. I don't, I don't know what to do about it. I think you got to roll with it. You don't like it? I mean, I don't, I don't dislike it. I've always had like a few people here and there call me Chuck, but but one of my managers over at the runs uh, the the restaurant I work at mm-hmm. started calling me Chuck, and then he started calling me Two Buck Chuck. Two Buck Chuck. And then when he's the manager, he changes my name on the schedule now to Chuck from Charlie to Chuck. That's a little concerning. So that's then, almost like a on like the sections last night. And it was all like you were looking for Charlie. I mean, it just says yeah. I mean, it says like Chuck. But then we had a new host, and then so she walks up to me and she's like, "Oh hey, you must be Chuck." Like I'm so and so, and I was like, "I'm Chuck." Oh yeah, yeah no, I I am Chuck. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm Charlie. But more and more people have been calling me Chuck, and I don't. You either got you got to go all in on one I or the other. I don't feel like a Chuck. You got to go all in on one or the other. I feel like Chuck is more like when you get older. Chuck. You know, like you're Charlie in your younger days and then you get older and Or or do I just become Charles? Nah, no. Nah. Cause I am technically Charles. Yeah, but Charles Robert, Charlie Bob. Also, just start just start going by that, Charlie John Bob. John calls me Chuckles sometimes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Chuckles is a good one. I mean it works. Yep. Just kind of fits. Chuck Chuckles. I chuckle. You a chuckle. Lot. Yeah, good bit. Really, probably more than the average human. I think it's. A, I think the nicknames though are like they stick later in life. You know, once you're, maybe once you're retired, sitting sitting on the lazy boy watching your mid major basketball still when you're like seventy five. But it's like, hey, Uncle Chuck. Well, uh, <laughs> anyway, you got a good weekend coming up. Anything? Anything fun to report? Um. No, not really. I feel honestly. like you're never really reporting all that much. I gotta, I gotta do a lot of the work that I missed this week, so I'm going to like the library tonight, which sucks. I, you want to know but a secret? You never did homework in college. I never went to the library, <laughs> except for a class. I had a movie class mm. in the library, which is makes it even funnier. Really, the only time I ever went to the library was every Wednesday for a semester to watch a movie. <laughs> I only Oh, like you just went there to watch the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. It was just in the library. And and the other two days were in like a different classroom, but I get real distracted if I'm not in the library. Like if I'm doing if the I have to do work it to me is too distracting. Really? Yeah. I don't trust myself at like my own house. Like I'll I mean, just, I, I'll get to off, be fair, off I, track on my I own. I can't get like I, I am distracted everywhere. Yeah. I need more distractions than less distractions maybe cuz then at least it keeps my mind from distracting itself. <laughs> you need the most distractions possible to I used keep to your... do TV with, or I used to do homework with, or like write papers with TV in front of me and music on behind me. 
that's a wild that's wild because whenever i would sit there i can alone, do one whenever i would sit there alone i would start my mind would just start going all these different directions and then i would just completely lose focus i can't do it yeah like i can't do just straight silence for sure i like some music in the back though i, I can't do tv something oh, yeah, dude, i'll I just watch, pay attention to the sports. tv show i would watch sports while i would write papers yeah i would just pay attention to the sports but, all right, so you got a not all that eventful weekend. I don't either. I, I'm just broadcasting high school basketball. Where are we going this weekend? Uh, West Ridge High School. We're Where's that? To the Tri Cities. Ah, that's kind of a far, far trip. Yeah, a little Friday night, Saturday night up in, I guess, a little further than Kingsport. Yeah. So that'll be fun. That pretty much takes away your whole weekend. Yeah, too. it does. I mean, it's it's the games are at like seven, seven thirty. So, I mean, I'm gonna leave leave here at like two. Yeah. So it's not like you can really do a whole lot on a Saturday before 2 o'clock. There's not even, like, a basketball game that technically finishes before 2. And then the basketball game will, like, probably end by 9.30. Yeah. I'll get out of there by 10, be home by midnight. That point, if you're sober at midnight, there's no point in trying to go out. No. Yeah. No. If you're sober at midnight, just go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or throw on some Mountain West hoops. I don't know. But anyway, a lot to get into today. Uh, pretty interesting article this morning dropped by The Athletic that detailed Russell Wilson and mm. his relationship with the Broncos interesting. and everything that went into this disaster of a season. So I really I want to dive into that and break that down on the other side. We'll get into some quarterback talk to this morning as well. Uh, hour one will we'll be pretty NFL-oriented. And then hour two, going to get into the Vols, talk Vols South Carolina we're going to potentially have Logan Quinton join the show as well to talk a little Tennessee baseball. And, hey, maybe we'll get some news on Maui Ahuna today during the show. Knowing our luck, it'll probably happen at 12.05. But, mm -hmm. anyway, jam-packed show for you. Stay locked into the Blitz. All right, back here. Blitz back in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Hey, big switch for White Claw. baseball season. Goes better with baseball than some white claws. Dish that beer belly bloat. It's almost uh, swimsuit season. Yeah. Yeah, got to start making that switch to white claw now. It's crafted with quality ingredients, a blend of seltzer water, a gluten-free alcohol base with just a hint of fruit flavor. It's 100 calories. It's one gram of sugar. It's 5% alcohol. Available in many deliciously refreshing flavors. As always, please drink responsibly. Um, as we were talking before the break, though, started talking about the the Russell Wilson story in the Athletic today. So I want to go back to that and, and kind of get get your reaction. Just kind of break this down. I think into some of the key parts. Um, start out by detailing what led to Russell Wilson's departure in Seattle. You know, things have been getting increasingly worse in Seattle for him. I think that there is some relationship issues between him and, and some coaches, between mm -hmm. him and some teammates. And in February 2022, Russell Wilson bypassed Pete Carroll and bypassed the GM, uh, went straight to ownership, and essentially told the owners that, hey, I want general manager John Schneider 
and I want head coach Pete Carroll fired, and I want it now. I don't want to continue to be a quarterback uh, with those two as my coach and GM. Well, Seahawks ownership pretty immediately stood up to Russell Wilson and shipped him off to Denver. Uh, completely backed Snyder and Carroll and just said, all right, we're done with you. We are done with Russell Wilson. Uh, so that's how we ended up in Denver. So just already not starting off on the same foot. Not at all. Funniest part, part of his request to the, 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 the Seahawks ownership um, was not just to fire Sean Payton, but, I mean, no, not just to fire. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, uh, that would be a story now. <laughs> yeah, not just to fire Pete Carroll, but to replace him with Sean Payton. Ah, okay. So those two already have a working – or, you know, already at least have some, some mutual interest in each other. But that's how we got to Denver. Let's fast forward to Denver because we, we've heard about some of these details, but it was a disaster. A disaster. So right off the bat, he gets to Denver. Um, immediately gets permission to have his own support staff. He gets to employ, uh, apart from official team employees, names including Jay Keeps, his personal quarterback coach, nutritionist, and physical therapist. Uh, he had his publicist on staff. Again, he had a yeah, nutritionist, physical therapist, and his own personal quarterback coach. So four people on his own personal staff that were not members of the team, and they had complete access to the locker room complete access to team facilities. They were allowed to come work with Russell while he was, you know, at the team, at facilities, at practice. Red flag number one, <laughs> absolutely. Um, they signed off on it, though. Patton and Nathaniel Hackett both signed off on it. So I think that uh, before the season even started – that's going to partially doom you. I mean, what, what NFL coach, what NFL franchise is just allowing their franchise quarterback uh, to have their own people in there? Not even Tom Brady was able to do that with his TB12, like, really weird trainer guy when that whole thing ordeal happened, and he tried to get him in there. Um, the setup was unprecedented, which players agreed with. member of the Broncos coaching staff said, no one else I've – ever been around has had those people in there has been allowed to have those people in there and looking back on it wasn't a good idea yeah you don't think uh, but to make matters even worse the broncos also gave russell wilson an office at the team facility did not have an office in seattle heaps did not have access to russell wilson at the team facility in seattle but in denver well, he's getting both. Several Broncos teammates, most of them speaking on a condition of anonymity for this, this article, uh, they actually said they didn't mind Russell Wilson having his own office. They said that he really spent so much time at the facility, they, they could even understand why he would want an office. They said that he, he's got whiteboards just on all sides of the wall, and it's littered with quotes and game plans and plays and 
you know, he always had an open door policy and, and was always inviting people to, you know, come to his office and go over things and learn extra plays. And, you know, his TV was always on NFL Network and it was always strictly football. And he was watching film and he was, you know, spending all his time at Broncos facilities. So I don't think I don't think his intentions were malicious, but, we'll, you know, we'll get further into that. You know, I, I think he was well intentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The office quickly began to work against him as, as things started to go south, especially the location of the office. It's on the second floor, not the first floor. So the first floor, all the players, second floor, all the coaches' offices. Um, players never really went up to the second floor. You know, they said that, hey, if you went to the second floor, like, you thought you were getting cut. Right. Like, that, the, the second floor had a, a pretty negative – connotation associated with it and then there's just russell wilson chilling up there um you know is is one offensive player stated in this article russell wilson told teammates he had an open door policy but it quickly became problematic when when it felt like he was just as much as a coach as a player um one coach asked, so are you a coach or a player, apparently, at one point during the season? <laughs> and he said, to Russell Wilson, your open door policy should be you sitting at your locker. Yeah. So this is just the I beginning like of coach. the season. <laughs> this is just the beginning of the season. But but you can see how things are already deteriorating quickly mm-hmm. for the Broncos. And it's no wonder. I, I mean, leadership here, Nathaniel Hackett here, allowed Russell Wilson to – entirely walk all over them walk all over them but uh that'll be a growing theme here as we continue on with this story again if you want to read it it's over on the athletic it was written by uh kaylin kaler uh, mike sando and jason jinks really put a lot into this uh, really went deep into this story but continuing further Hackett always seemed to kind of stress that, you know, the best teams were player-led. Russell Wilson had that same kind of mentality. But apparently pretty quickly that relationship between Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett turned into Nathaniel Hackett listening to whatever Russell Wilson told him. Um, so the, reportedly, you know, some of this stems back from their time in, in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur – especially at the start of their working relationship, really didn't get along. Aaron Rodgers would always try to complain about what plays they were calling and didn't want to run this and wanted to run other plays. And and there was a lot of butting of heads, and Hackett really wanted to avoid that. So, you know, in in turn, he probably went a little too far in the other direction after what he witnessed with with LaFleur and Rodgers. But... You know... Russell Wilson got to the point where he was heavily influencing the game plan. You know, he was putting in plays, and Nathaniel Hackett would agree. He was the game plan, yeah. He was putting, he was bringing his own plays, and Nathaniel Hackett would let him install his own plays. He started bringing over tags and personnel tags and, and, and tempo tags and, and snap count tags and whatever else, play tags, play calling tags from Seattle. He started bringing over terminology uh, from Seattle. 
Hackett would routinely sign off on plays presented to him by Wilson uh, to go into the game plan. The no-huddle package Wilson installed himself using all of Seattle's code words. Uh, a lot of players felt even that Hackett accommodated Wilson to a fault and it just completely muddled up and, and, and hurt the continuity of the offense. Uh, one coach said he just had way too much influence and it was mainly based on what Hackett allowed him to influence. This is where it really gets interesting. So Tuesdays are typical player days off. Um, Tuesdays during the week, that was the Broncos day off, but Wilson would show up to the team facility anyway on Tuesdays to go through film, and he would invite the offense to meet with him. They would have State of the Union meetings. He also did this in Seattle. Uh, they would watch film on the next opponents and, and try to come to an agreement on what they wanted to run, what they could do to beat them, etc. And some players you know, didn't necessarily like coming in on their off days, but it was another example, I think, of guys being like, all right, you know, Russell Wilson – He's trying, he's working, like he's trying to be a leader. But early in the season without much Denver film to go on, Wilson would show clips from Seattle and show clips from his time with the Seahawks, uh, which kind of made some people upset. One offensive player said it felt like every time he would just go down memory lane with some stuff he'd done in Seattle. And some weeks it was especially strange. His personal quarterback coach that he got to bring around heaps would also participate in the Tuesday meetings. Uh, Jerry Not Judy said that heaps would even do the slides and voice his opinion from time to time. <laughs> heaps is one of Wilson's best friends. They became best friends back in 2016. Uh, he helped Russell Wilson launch a quarterback Academy. Heaps is the director uh, Heaps was also a sports talk radio host in Seattle and would help Russell kind of on the side, do some stuff with Russell. And when Russell went to Denver, Heaps came with him full time, quit his radio job. Right. He wasn't a distraction, I don't think. Another offensive player said it was just always weird that he was in the middle. Uh, one coach reviewed for the athletic some of the scouting reports that Russell Wilson and Heaps collectively would come up with and hand out to players on Tuesdays during these meetings. He said the reports were thorough, impressively thorough. Uh, but there were a lot of instances where he didn't agree with the evaluations or the scouting reports that they were handing out, nor did the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, instead, they said that it created a conflict of influence. Who did Wilson listen to? Heaps or Hackett? Who did the team listen to? Wilson or Hackett? Quarterback coach Clint Kubiak, just simply too many cooks in the kitchen. So, to recap, Russell Wilson tries to get Pete Carroll fired and his GM fired in Seattle. Instead, gets shipped off to Denver, brings a five-man staff with him, gets his own office on the coach's floor, uh, gets his own... I mean, gets basically to influence the playbook, the game plan, install things from Seattle. He keeps going back and, and using code words from Seattle and tags from Seattle and showing his players films from Seattle. He's bringing in his own non-Broncos coach to coach up the team on Tuesdays and break down film and hand out a game plan and a scouting report. And, and the Denver Broncos coaches have nothing to do with it. 
That's absurd. You cannot it's, let that kind of control just be given away. They start, I mean, this type of story makes me just, I don't even know if you can, if you can revive this with Sean Payton. You know, it just sounds like Russell Wilson is just so in his own head here. And I, I don't really think, an unbelievable article. I don't. There, there's still more to it. Yeah. But I, I don't think that Russell Wilson again has any kind of ill intent. Like I don't think that he's a bad guy, a bad leader necessarily. I, I think he just is too bought in to his own BS. Yeah, he's trying to control too much. I feel like. It reminds me of a couple of other instances in professional sports on the NBA side of things, too, that we'll get into. But um, Remember how the Broncos had a bunch of delay of game issues and, and false start issues? Uh, several team sources said that Hackett actually relayed the play calls to Wilson with 20 to 25 seconds remaining pretty consistently. Um, Wilson, the source to say, apparently struggled to repeat calls efficiently, offered too much instructions to teammate in the huddle, and tried to be too motivating and wasted too much time. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the Broncos were getting delay of games because Russell Wilson wouldn't shut up. Hey, keep believing, though, boys. Keep believing. Hey, Russ, there's like nine seconds left. False start, offense. <laughs> Russ, there's, we got to get them to the line. And you, Play a game. And you, and you, you can all do it here on this first and, and 15. No, actually, it's first and 20 now, Russ. We took another <laughs> delay a game. I, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. They, I mean, and, and this guy was at one point like a top consensus top three quarterback. Yeah, easily. Um, there are some other sources that, say that the coaches actually did have more to do with that issues uh with that issue that they would ask him to over communicate um jerry judy said mostly in the beginning russell wilson would give us a motivational speech to get us going before the play i love the idea of russell wilson giving roughly 72 mini motivational speeches a game just every huddle um but mostly in the beginning you know he'd give us a motivational speech to get us going before that play um, I don't think he would say anything extra or unnecessary. He would give us the call. He'd give us motivational words. He'd give us a little something extra, and then he'd you know, say to someone, hey, get this blocked. But I don't think it was anything too long-winded. He would always tell us, keep believing. You got to believe. Hey, got to believe. Really started to turn on Russell Wilson, though. Uh, really, you know, people started to buy into that it's all about Russ, and Russ is tearing this team apart. Russell Wilson had to hire a new publicist. The Broncos had a bunch of players get hurt. Um, Broncos had to bring in an outside analyst to help with inside, you know, with, with game decisions. And there was a pretty general belief that Hackett and his staff struggled to sift through all the ideas that their staff and Russell Wilson jointly threw together to try to put together any kind of plan. Um, some people blame Hackett more. Some people blame Russell Wilson more, but everyone kind of painted the same picture of like, nobody knew what was going on. There was uncertainty. There was confusion. There was a lack of consistency. Melvin Gordon said it was just uh, well, it was all a bit much. 
said it was a mixture. They tried just to run an offense that was a mixture of what Wilson ran in Seattle and what Hackett ran in Green Bay, and it was a half this and half that, and instead it was just nothing. That's got to be so frustrating just to be yeah. as, like any other person on that offense outside well, of Russell Wilson and Hackett. One coach said that Russell Wilson added cadences in games that the offensive line hadn't practiced much during the week, some of it, again, coming from his days in Seattle. Broncos had the second most false starts in the NFL. The same coach said the offensive line finally got to a point where they pushed back. They said hey, Russell would walk out to him and be like, hey, we're going to do this, and they would just say, hell no, we're not. <laughs> Good for them. Um, Reisner was talking about the, the uncertainty. He said there were confusing times where you may wonder why a decision was made, where that decision came from. But a lot of us just didn't really know what was going on. Um, just so much confusion. Really so much confusion. All I can think about in this story is how happy I am for Geno Smith now, honestly. And like and Pete Carroll. Yeah, like and just, Pete Carroll. Just to see them both like have a hell of a season this year after Russell Wilson tried to tear down that entire franchise after what they had what they had built for so long and then they just do it with Gino. Good Two days before the Broncos played the Rams on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathaniel Hackett's still their coach at this point. Sean Payton received a text uh, from Latavius Murray. <laughs> Latavius Murray? This to me was the weirdest part of the story. Sean Payton got a text while he was uh, during Super Bowl week or he recalled during Super Bowl week that he got a text two days before Christmas. Hey, my backfield teammate and I hope you come to Denver. (laughs) What a weird text to just send out of the blue. Sean Payton said he was just confused and was trying to think about who the other running backs on the roster were that were healthy before he finally just asked Latavius Murray who he was talking about, and Murray responded, number three. Number three. So Russell Wilson was just using Latavius Murray to recruit Sean Payton to the Broncos before Nathaniel Hackett was fired. Can we get Sean Payton fired from the Broncos now for, like, some tampering? I don't know. Make him hire Hackett again? (laughs) You have to bring back Hackett. And Russell Wilson gets two offices this time. Uh, we were converting the locker room to Russell Wilson's new office. Last two weeks of the year, the Broncos tried to salvage some of the season, tried to bring back. You this know, was some, the most interesting part of the article, I thought, what you're about to read here. Uh, they made Russell Wilson get rid of his staff from the building. <laughs> they took away his office. And look what miraculously happened to the Broncos again. offense in the last three yeah. weeks of the year. He started spending time with his teammates and hanging out in the locker room and listening to the game plans. And he scored like he 28 points a game. Started scoring. Started winning. Really weird. <laughs> quite an article, though. Uh, man, really quite an article. I, I kind of have three main takeaways from this. First takeaway, Russell Wilson, again, I don't think his intentions were bad. I I really do think it was simply a case of a guy trying to do too much. A guy with an overinflated ego that had been uh, fluffed for too long. 
where it just kept getting bigger and bigger and you continue to buy into more and more of your own BS. I think he just kind of lost touch of, of like his human side almost. But I think his teammates what I, what I gathered from this is and you saw some of his teammates come out and support him some too. I don't think his teammates had a problem with him. I think they had a problem with the balance of power and, and you know the control that was given to him, but I think they respected his drive. I think that they saw that he really wanted to win. I would say that Russell Wilson probably puts in more time and has more want to than a lot of players in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. So I think he they respected that. And I, I don't think that that relationship in Denver between him and his teammates is, is at all lost. I think that that can be salvaged and, and nurtured, and it can even flourish with Sean Payton in there. I, next takeaway, I think – Next takeaway, I think that Sean Payton can actually do a really good job in Denver. I think that Russell Wilson can get back to being Russell Wilson based off of all of this because Sean Payton, he's not going to mess around. He's not going to BS around. He's going to come in there. He's going to set the record straight. He is going to set his expectations, and he is going to command respect. He is a coach with a track record and, and just a general stature that is enough to put Russell Wilson in his place. Yeah. And I think Russell Wilson will respect Sean Payton. I think Russell Wilson will listen to Sean Payton. And I think that Russell Wilson will allow himself to once again be coachable. Because Russell Wilson was that guy. He was the coachable guy. Like, he was the guy that was hardworking and whatever else. I mean, he, was, he wasn't a top-five pick. He wasn't handed the keys. He was an NC State guy that transferred to Wisconsin that was drafted in the second round. You know, he, he had to work to get there. I think he will again. I, I think that Sean Payton can really work out for the Broncos. Because um, if you get Russell Wilson playing the role of quarterback instead of coach, mm-hmm. and, and you take some stuff off of his plate and just allow him to, to be and, and be instructed, I think that he can make a great quarterback. Again, he was a consensus top three quarterback at one point. So that's a guy that I'm looking towards to make a big jump next year, back back into the top ten of quarterbacks. Yeah. Not to call Russell Wilson LeBron James, but like it feels like the it feels like LeBron trying to be the GM of the roster. You know, and it's like LeBron, you're not the GM. You're you're the really, really good basketball player. We need you to play really, really good basketball. Don't try and construct the team make all the plays, make everything happen. Like you just play you play quarterback, you be a good quarterback. We know what what you can do on the field. We'll get you a a coach and a system that will put that in place for you and you just do that job and, and we'll be just fine. He's trying to do too much. But I agree. I I, th- I think uh I think I think Russell Wilson can can have a big step next year and that that Broncos team is very talented. They've got a they've got a talented defense, and they've got some good young pieces on offense that they can still build around. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Charlie. I think uh, maybe with this new regime coming in and not letting Russell have so much control over that whole operation, I think they can turn things around pretty quickly. You really hit the nail on the head there with with what you were talking about at first. That's kind of my last takeaway 
from all of this. When are we going to learn to let people do the things that you hired them to do? Yeah. <laughs> this isn't unique to the Broncos, like you mentioned. Lay GM. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron trying to play GM and instead just continuously tearing apart the Lakers roster further and further. Kyrie and KD, they got to play GM in New York. Look how that turned out. Completely destroyed a franchise. Destroyed them. Gave them nothing. Too often, it feels like in professional sports, we're allowing star players to have, I think, too much influence on things that aren't the actual sport itself on hires and game plans and philosophies and roster decisions. And that's not what made them star players. Like LeBron isn't LeBron because he can build a great roster. LeBron's LeBron because he can score 35 points a game Mm -hmm. because he can, you know, come back down 3-1 in the finals against one of the best teams in NBA history. Like, that's why LeBron is LeBron. It's not because, you know, he can beg the Lakers to, to bring in another one of his veteran friends that he trades at the deadline. You know, KD is KD because he has an unblockable jump shot and an unbelievable game, you know, an unbelievable skill set at the game of basketball, not because he's a great evaluator of coaches. You know, obviously there should be a relationship between star players and their the guys that coach him, like there, there should be even a little bit of a collaborative process. But I think we've taken a collaborative process and entirely taken it too far. Mm-hmm. You know, like Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, like that should be a working relationship where maybe Russell's saying, "Hey, I've been seeing this lately. I don't like when we do such and such, or I feel really comfortable in such and such situation, or hey." If you want to bring up Seattle, that's even that that's even fine. Like, hey, in Seattle, you know, we played this team, and I felt like when we got into this situation, this really worked. And Nathaniel Hackett would be like, okay, I think we can work this into the offense here. Like, that's a collaborative relationship. That works. But when it's Russell Wilson, like, hey, this is what we ran in Seattle. My two-minute drive playlist. It's going to work. My, my, my two-minute drive, like, whatever. Like, let's install it. And Nathaniel Hackett, okay, you do you, Russ. Like, Come on. That's just, it's not going to work. We have to start letting people do what they were hired to do. Let GMs be GMs. Let coaches be coaches. Let coordinators be coordinators. Let directors of player personnel be directors of player personnel. Let ops guys be ops guys. And let quarterbacks be quarterbacks. Let players be players. Another instance of a player getting far too much control and destroying something. That should be great. I, I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head of a player in a situation like KD was or like LeBron was or like Russell Wilson was where they were given extra power, extra influence in areas outside of their expertise, and it's worked. I don't know. Maybe there are some out there that I'm not thinking of, but I can't think of a situation where a player's gotten more power on the decision-making side of of the team and it's worked. Or even just done something other than than fail massively. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) 
there's a, there's not many players that get the opportunity to do it in the first place, and you don't really see many. You don't see a whole lot of success stories anyway. Like I feel like the biggest example of this is is like you know what Brady and Belichick were able to do in New England. Like Belichick was a mastermind at being able to to just kind of be at the head of that whole operation and and Brady knew how good he was but he took the pay cuts like didn't always take the most expensive contract you know got got the people around him that they needed just kind of fell in line where he was in the system and look what look what happened to him I feel like that's a maybe the biggest example of the opposite of what we're talking about when you get when you get someone who's that talented as a coach and as a quarterback, when you just get them both doing their job and not really trying to do each other's job as much, you can see what you can kind of see what happens. So, yeah, let's see what uh, let's see what Sean Payton implements over there in Denver now. Hour one done. Hour two on deck. Hour two not going to be as Russell Wilson heavy. <laughs> Probably. 